last week, Brother Ryan spent uh, quite a bit of time explaining to us uh, in Acts 8, verses 1 through 4, about Saul and all the things that Saul did in his persecution of the church, how that he arrested people and drugged them out. And uh, pretty much, uh, the, the, the King James Version uses the word havoc. <laughs> he wreaked havoc uh, on the early church. And, uh, and uh, then, then uh, Brother Ryan moved on to Philip and how that Philip went down to Samaria and began to preach Christ unto them. Now, how many of you today understand who Philip is? We'll do a little character study on Philip for a little bit. Amen. There's Philip. Um, we'll see Philip the evangelist. But it's interesting that you don't, do not confuse Philip the deacon and then later the evangelist that uh, brings revival to Samaria with Philip the apostle. Philip the Apostle was one of the original twelve that Jesus called. Uh, we know that Philip the Apostle was from the city of Bethesda, as were uh, the Apostles John, uh, not John, excuse me, the Apostles Andrew and Peter. So Philip the Apostle was from, from that area. But, but in Acts, the sixth chapter, in verse, uh, verses 1 through 8, it talks about how the twelve apostles had been bogged down with uh, the daily ministry to the widows, uh, the people that were the less fortunate. and There was a daily ministration. In other words, there was a, a daily ministry of serving the widows and, and making sure that their needs were taken care of. And the 12 apostles who should have been uh, giving themselves to prayer and to preaching the word, they were having to um, take on this, this service. And as the church grew, this, this service to the needy became greater and greater as the word of God spread. And so they called, uh, they said, uh, the, the 12 apostles said, bring forth seven men that are full of the Holy Ghost and full of faith, and we're going to give this duty, this responsibility, we're going to transfer it to them. And that's exactly what happened in Acts 6 and verse 5. Um, it says, and the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen. And we, we talked about Stephen in great length a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip. So Philip was one of these seven deacons that are appointed. And uh, Prochorus, and Nicor, and Timon, and Parmenius, Parmenius, Nicholas, the proselyte of Antioch. So uh, we find here that there is a second Philip um, in the scripture that is called and uh, appointed. So this is the same man that Philip now Philip the deacon who becomes Philip the evangelist. So we see here an intersectionality, if you will, a crossroads of the two Philips. Because in verse one, or excuse me, verse twelve, it says the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto unto them. And so we know that Philip the apostle was one of the twelve. And the Bible says that uh, when they had set whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. So the twelve apostles, uh, they have seven deacons that are set before them. They pray with them, they lay their hands on them, and they charge them uh, then to take over this responsibility of taking care of the less fortunate in the congregation. So I find it interesting that Philip the apostle was laying his hands 
on, on the head of Philip the deacon and, and praying over him. And we know that this was ordained of God because in that passage of Scripture it says that the word of the Lord increased greatly uh, in the city of Jerusalem. So um, I just find it interesting that you have the intersection there of the two Philips. You have them in one place uh, at one time. And so uh, all, all of this, this revival that broke out in Jerusalem, Philip the deacon, or later we call him Philip the evangelist to distinguish him from Philip the apostle, uh, he was a key factor in the work of the Lord. He may not have had the most glorious position, uh, but nevertheless the Bible tells us that he was full of faith, he was full of the Holy Ghost, he was of a good report, he had a good reputation, uh, these are the sorts of men uh, that were uh, that the apostles charged, and because these seven men faithfully um, did what the apostles charged them to do, the word of the Lord revival uh, increased, revival exploded, um, the work of the Lord was greatly increased, and people received the Holy Ghost because of people like Philip and people like Stephen who were willing. To, to do the work. Amen. How many, how many of you know today that it takes all types in the service of the Lord? Amen. It takes all types. Everybody can't be pastors. Even in the ministry, everybody can't be pastors. and Everybody can't be evangelists. You've got to have teachers too. You've got to have those that do administrative functions, amen, to make the kingdom of the Lord function as it should. Amen. Feel a sneeze coming on. <laughs> I have my nose starting to burn. Yeah, that's Brother Billy's role. I don't want to take his role from him. And uh, so, so here we have this this Philip uh, in verse or chapter eight. Uh, after Paul has uh, not Paul, but excuse me, Saul has begun to persecute the church. The Bible says um, that they were all scattered abroad through the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So the apostles remained at Jerusalem, but the church scattered abroad. They, they left and they were fleeing the persecution of Saul. Uh, of Saul. And so we find that Philip, the event, former deacon, is really he's, he's no longer a deacon. The, the church is busted. They're scattering. People are scared for their lives, so they're running. And everywhere they go, they take the gospel with them. And so Philip uh, is one of those that scatters. And the Bible says that he went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto him, of course. He, he was taken, uh, doing his part. And wherever he went, and he, he ended up preaching Christ to the people. So he went to Samaria, and this is, this is where he, he goes. And he lands in Samaria after he leaves Jerusalem. So it's kind of a fulfillment of Acts 1 and 8, right? You're gonna, Jesus said in Acts first chapter, verse 8, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and into the uttermost parts of the earth. So this, this was a fertile uh, field, if you will, because Jesus had done miraculous things in the city of Samaria. Everybody remember the woman at the well? The Samaritan woman's at the well, and Jesus comes and and uh, she wants, um, you know, and Jesus tells her all the things she's done. She goes in the city, tells everybody. They all come out to hear Jesus. Uh, she says, come and see the man that told me everything I ever did, you know. 
Samaria. There, Jesus had done miraculous works in the area. So that, that field had been prepared. And so uh, here we have this, uh, this former deacon turned evangelist, and he shows up into a fertile field. I mean, we, when we see that because there's evidence of this because it wasn't hard ground. It was ground that, was, that had already been prepared because when Philip begins to preach the gospel of Jesus, they received his word. The Bible says that they gave heed unto those things which Philip spake. Uh, it says in verse 8, And there was great joy in that city because Philip uh, was doing uh, miraculous things. Miracles were performed. It says, uh, there were unclean spirits that came out of people that were possessed. Uh, there were people that were had the palsy and that were lame. The Bible says they were healed. So there was a great joy that went forward, and, and they gave heed to the things that Philip preached. In verse 12 it says, And they believed, uh, but when they believed, Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Amen. So these people are they're rejoicing, they're receiving the gospel, they're hearing the gospel preached, so they had, there's a zeal that they had. They're, they're, they're rejoicing all these wonderful things that, that Philip's not only preaching, but the things that they're witnessing with their own eyes. So we, we, we see here a, a, something that is a point that is pivotal to apostolic doctrine. The word is preached. People receive the word apparently in faith. They take heed to what he's saying. The Bible says that they believed. And the Bible says that they were baptized. Those are all great things. But apparently all of those things, believing or receiving the word, excuse me, believing and being baptized weren't enough. We see that in, and we have, we have uh, many, many teachers or preachers in the world today that would tell you that all you have to do is believe. And there would be some that would tell you you receive the Spirit of God when you believe. And there are some that will tell you that you're converted when you're baptized into the faith or you're baptized in your local church. Those are good things and we thank God for those that have believed and we thank God for those that have been baptized in the name of Jesus. But that was not enough. You'll see in verse 14, it says, When the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, whom when they were come down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 17, when they laid their hands on them, they received the Holy Ghost. Ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you this morning that it's not enough to simply believe in Jesus. It's not enough to simply believe in the gospel. It's not enough to simply be baptized in the name of Jesus. You have to receive the Holy Ghost you'll notice that they hadn't received the Spirit when they believed. They hadn't received the Holy Ghost when they were baptized. Amen. How did they know that they had received the Holy Ghost? Amen. 
It doesn't specifically say in the passage that they spoke in tongues. I believe, however, that it is implied that they spoke with tongues. Nevertheless, they received the Holy Ghost at the laying on of the Apostle John and the Apostle Peter's hands. It wasn't enough. They had to come and complete the work that Philip started. I mean, if the Bible gives us this example, amen, who are we to say that you're receiving salvation when you simply believe in Jesus Christ? You believe in the gospel. That's good. Amen. But that's only that's only part of it. You have to believe in the Lord. Amen. Who are we to say that you're saved when you're baptized? Baptism, again, is, is good and it's a necessary step in salvation. But that's not when you receive the Spirit of God. You receive the Spirit of God when you receive the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's very simple teaching. And there are a lot of people that would discredit it and discount this by trying to lift other scriptures out of context in the Bible. Amen. But I, I trust today that you understand that all scripture, amen, is, is, is given, a, is profitable for doctrine. All scripture, including this passage in Acts. And if this example is set before us, amen, who are we to discount the example that the apostles set? Amen. So this is, this is a key and pivotal, I think it's very pivotal that we, as apostolic believers, have a good understanding of what occurs with Philip's ministry here. Because it's a very clear example that we can share with other people. Because you're, you're going to come in contact with people that have believed. You're going to come in contact with people that have baptized. But you're going to, a lot of these people, they're going to tell you that they have not received the Holy Ghost. Or they're going to believe that they received the Holy Ghost when they believed. There's a lot of people that equate believing in Christ as the moment that they receive the Spirit of God. And there is no biblical evidence that that is how that occurs. I mean, there is an extra step that must be taken in receiving the baptism. It's an extra, it, it's, it's more, um, and, and, and I submit to you that it's necessary. If it were not necessary, why did the apostles dispatch Peter and John to go to Samaria so that those people had to re would receive the Holy Ghost. It was necessary. They weren't just traveling for the fun of it. They weren't just going out down there to check out what Philip had been up to. The Bible says that they had heard. It says the apostles which were in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God. They sent to them Peter and John. And when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Jerusalem, the, the twelve apostles, thought or knew that it was important that these people not just hear the word, not just receive the word, not just be baptized, but it was evident from Scripture that they must be filled with the Holy Ghost. And that's exactly what happened. They received, the, the people of Samaria received the Holy Ghost at the laying on of the apostles' hands. Amen. And I'm foregoing, of course, covering again Simon the sorcerer. We covered that last week in, in some detail. In verse 26, we'll pick up there with this, 
this uh, wonderful man named Philip. He says, The angel of the Lord spake to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way which goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. It was a desert place. It was a dry place. And he says, the Bible says in verse 27, He rose and went, and behold, a man from Ethiopia and eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. And was returning, sitting in his chariot, reading Isaiah's the prophet. So, here you have a man that was probably uh, a Jewish proselyte. Someone from Ethiopia. And of course, uh, it, history teaches us that in antiquity there was a group of Jewish people in the country of Ethiopia, um, a community of Jewish believers or people of uh, that culture. And this gentleman was probably a proselyte, um, but um, he, he was a man of authority. He was ev- evidently a man of ed- some education. Um, he was in charge of the money and the treasure of a queen. So he's a guy that had some status, some high standing. Um, but knowing what we know, how far Ethiopia is from Jerusalem, uh, this man was devout. He was a devout man. He, he held his faith, uh, took it seriously, held it in high regard because no one travels easily in those days. And uh, so this man traveled all the way uh, from somewhere in Africa in the, in the realm of Ethiopia and came um, to Jerusalem for one specific purpose, and that is to worship. I don't know what he found when he got to Jerusalem. I don't know if that was his first trip. I don't know what his experience was when he got to Jerusalem, when he went, probably, no doubt, went to the temple and offered sacrifice and, no doubt, attended services and synagogues in the area. We don't really know all of what he did. But we do know that he was there on a pilgrimage of sorts, uh, a quest of faith. And as he's returning to his home country, he's in this dry desert place on the road between Jerusalem and Gaza. He encounters a man named Philip. Here we have Philip, the former deacon, who's now Philip the evangelist. And the angel of the Lord wakes Philip up and says, get up you got to go. And Philip doesn't have a whole lot of information to go off of. But we see here that Philip was what? He was obedient. Amen. I, I don't know how you would react to an angel of the Lord waking you up and saying, get up and go. But we see that Philip was following the example of Jesus Christ when he told him, he told his disciples, uh, the twelve, he told them, when you go in these cities, don't, don't worry about what you got. Don't worry about packing a bunch of stuff with you. Take your cloak and go. Philip was following, now that he's an evangelist, he's kind of following that model. He gets up and goes. The Bible doesn't say he got up and packed everything he owned. And, but the Bible says he arose and he went, trusting in the Lord. Kind of a, seems like a th- strange thing to do, go to a desert place. He had just been preaching a revival in Samaria where Multitudes of people had heard the gospel and received and took heed to the gospel message that he was preaching. 
He was able to see those people believe and be baptized. He was able to see Philip and John come down and, and, and lay their hands on and pray for the people. And they received the magnificent power of the Holy Ghost. Many wonderful things happened. And Philip goes from ministering to a multitude to an angel telling him, Get up and go to a lonely stretch of highway, a desert place, a dry place. Doesn't give him a whole lot of instructions other than go to this place. And he arose and went. He didn't say, go down here and I'm going to have a multitude of people waiting on you. Go here and I got a church for you. Go here and I got a mighty work for you to do. He simply told him to go to this highway. Go to this desert place. And Philip, being the man of faith that he was, he obeyed the angel of the Lord and he went. And that's when he encounters um, this, this Ethiopian eunuch. He's standing by the roadside and he, he encounters this man. Um, and he sees, apparently the, the Ethiopian was stopped. It says he was sitting in his chariot reading Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit of the Lord said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. So he sees this chariot and he goes... And he has an encounter with this man. Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah saying, Understandest thou what thou read? And he said, How can I except a man should guide me? Amen. He needed someone to explain the scripture to him. Uh, and the eunuch desired Philip or asked Philip that he would come up into the chariot and sit with him. And so here they go. They're on their way on the road towards Gaza in a desert place. And the place of the scripture which he read said, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the Ethiopian eunuch was reading from Isaiah, the 53rd chapter. And he didn't understand what he was reading. But Philip, understanding the word of the Lord, he began to understand why God had sent him to this place. In verse 34, the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet? Of himself or some other man? And Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him, Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came to a, unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth, what doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thy heart, thou mayest. And he answered said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Again, this confirms and reiterates you have to believe you have to be baptized we're on a they're on a long stretch of a desert road and they come to a place where there is water and the Ethiopian eunuch wants to be baptized I mean it speaks volumes in in, uh, in my mind of just what sort of man Philip was that whether he was preaching to the multitudes in Samaria are preaching to one person, a traveler in the desert. His ministry was effective. 
because he was full of faith. He was full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. He commanded the chariot to stand still, and they both went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. So interesting here, a note that they went down into the water and he baptized them. Philip didn't simply cup some water and pour it over his head. He didn't take a drinking vessel and fill it up and dump it over his head. He didn't sprinkle him. He didn't splash him. The Bible says that they went down into the water. Why is that? Because baptism is by That's right. You have to be immersed in water. You have to go under the water in the name. Amen. And that's that's exactly what happened here. That's why we insist on baptizing in water in a baptistry. Because all of the examples that we have in Scripture, none of them are sprinkling or any other way other than immersion. So our insistence on following this example Amen. It's simply because we do not, as apostolic believers, we don't believe that we should deviate in any manner uh, that it, when it comes to salvation and when it comes to baptism, we shouldn't deviate from the examples that are set before us in the Gospels, in the book of Acts, and the epistles. We should follow that example as closely as we can. And that's why we insist on baptizing and immersing fully in water. Amen. When they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. That's an amazing thing. Philip is an interesting character study in the Bible. Here's someone that's appointed as a deacon who becomes an evangelist, so he's, he's, he's done everything in, in just a few short chapters in the book of Acts. From serving tables to seeing miracles done, people that were lame walking, praying for people that had palsy to be healed, to preaching the gospel, seeing multitudes believe what he says, seeing having the experience of being able to baptize uh, all of this multitude of people, seeing them filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He... he he has an angel of the Lord talking to him. He goes and he, he ministers to one individual in the desert and then baptizes him in water and he's taken away. The Bible says he's caught away. And the next place that he's found is in, I forget how to pronounce this. He was as Azotus. It's, it's much easier to say the other Old Testament name for the city, which is Ashdod. It's one of the old Philistine cities. So in the old old Philistine cities were like Gaza, Ashdod, those, those places. And so Philip was on the road from Jerusalem to Gaza, which was an old Philistine city back in the day. And while he's on that road, he's called away. And the next place he's seen is in the old Philistine city of Ashdod. And he even keeps, uh, he goes from there and he preaches kind of from the south. Ashdod up to north, uh, which was uh, Caesarea. And we know he's in Caesarea because we find him in uh, later in the Bible. Um, we, we find that Philip and his daughters um, were dwelling at somewhere else. But in the Bible here in, in verse 40, it says, 
he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. So whatever cities are between Gaza and Ashdod, all the way up north along the uh, Mediterranean Sea to Caesarea, he preached there. Interesting, uh, in Acts 21 and verse 8, in Caesarea, Paul had came to Caesarea. Um, it says, and when we finished our course from Tyre, we came to uh, Ptolemus, and we saluted the brethren and abode with them one day. The next day, uh, we that were of Paul's company departed, and we came to Caesarea. And we entered into the house of Philip the evangelist, which was one of the seven, and abode with him. And the same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. So Philip, not only was he someone that he was evangelizing the area, but he also was raising up a godly household. And he continued to minister to the needs of people. So when these travelers come through in Caesarea, guess who's there? Philip and his household, and they take them in, and they show them hospitality. They feed them. They give them a place to sleep. And he's, he's back to being Philip the deacon, ministering to the needs of the saints. It's a wonderful thing when you see an example in Scripture of someone that is willing to do whatever is asked of them to do, whether that be serving tables, passing out and distributing food, whether that be going and ministering to a crowd of people, whether that being is being sent to one person on the side of a desert road. Whatever was asked of Philip, he was willing to do it. And wherever he went, he was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's a wonderful example for us to follow. Amen. I want to be of a like heart that Philip had. Amen. A servant's heart. A willingness to be used wherever I'm at and whatever the Lord would have me to do, I want to be willing to do it. Amen. Let's pray together. God, we thank you today for the example that we find from Philip. Lord, we pray today that you would give us a willingness of heart, Lord, to do whatever it is that you've called us to do. God, whether that be sweeping the floors or wiping off tables or taking care of the church, Lord, whatever it is you have for us to do, Lord, everywhere we go, may we do it with a grateful heart. May we do it with all our might. And everywhere we go, may we be a witness for Jesus Christ. May we preach the gospel and just take it with us. In the name of Jesus, we pray.